Well, welcome to worship this morning. Again, I add my welcome to what you've heard so far. I'm Pastor Linda, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and this will be the last time you see me in this mode. Next time you see me, it will be in person, and I can hardly wait. Just to remind you, I'll be the old white woman, and Jeff, my husband, will be the old white man who isn't Pastor Bill. So today uh, we start a new sermon series. Last week, Pastor Hojan wrapped up our series on the prayers of the Bible, who prayed in the Bible and what we can learn about when they prayed, how they prayed, and how that can transform the way we talk to God. Um, and he ended with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and when we pray when we are in a lot of pain. Um, so I hope that that resonated with you and you were able to carry it through the week. And so this week, we start a sermon series that is kind of God's response, God speaking back to us, God speaking to us when we pray to him or at other times, even in unexpected ways. And we're calling it what God says. God reveals himself to us. And um, as we head there, I want you to get thinking about a few things of what other people say or what they reveal to us. I want you to think about what people say about themselves. I mean, it all starts when you're kids, right? You're the fastest runner. I climb higher than anybody. I'm the best. I'm the best. And as a good parent or an auntie or uncle, you say, yes, you are. And along the way, um, lots of people have they keep those claims that aren't really true. I'm the richest in the world. I'm smarter than anyone else. And you see that and people say, I have more followers than anybody else. And so they make these claims, don't they? Along with claims that people make, we often see images that we're not quite sure. Are these images true? What's going on here? So I, um, I want you to watch this. It's an advertisement that was on TV actually a number of decades ago, surprisingly enough, and just uh, see what you think. Enjoy. It's nighttime in a kitchen just like yours. All is quiet. Or is it? The North American House Hippo is found throughout Canada and the eastern United States. House hippos are very timid creatures and are rarely seen. But they will defend their territory if provoked. They come out at night to search for food, water and materials for their nests. The favorite foods of the house hippo are chips, raisins and the crumbs from peanut butter on toast. They build their nests in bedroom closets, using lost mittens, dryer lint, and bits of string. The nests have to be very soft and warm. House hippos sleep about 16 hours a day. That looked really real, but you knew it couldn't be true, didn't you? That's why it's good to think about what you're watching on TV and ask questions, kind of like you just did. A message from Concerned Children's Advertisers. What do you think? It's almost believable, isn't it? You hear, you see uh, all these details about the house hippo, and yet you go, but that can't really be true, can it? Can it? It's interesting because we read things and we hear things that influence whether we believe it or not. You know, sometimes things come up in your feed and you look at how many likes does it have? How many followers does this person have? Does that influence whether I'm going to believe this or not? Do you believe some things because you already agree with it? It's interesting. 
What do you really believe? What do you trust? How do you know if it's truth? And so as we head into spending these few weeks looking at what God says about himself, I think we need to firmly believe his credibility or we could doubt what God says is true. So we're going to start off by looking at God's name. I believe from God speaking about this, sharing his name thousands of years ago, we will see how credible and believable he is and how we will derive two aspects of who he is that provides for us a firm foundation for what he reveals about himself that will be through the rest of this sermon series. But as we head there, of course, we need the guidance for this truth from the Holy Spirit. So we ask that, Father God, that you be present with us. That during these times when we look at your scripture and learn about who you are, we just open our ears and hearts to your words and just grow in our depth of knowledge and love of you. Let me ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to step into one small scene of Moses' life. Now, Moses, if you know his story, uh, this is a quick synopsis. If you don't know his story, this will just give you an idea and have fun reading Exodus to hear it all. But he was a Hebrew born into slavery in Egypt. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Years later, he killed somebody, an Egyptian. He ran away. He met a woman. He married her. He uh, tended sheep for 40 years. And then he saw a burning bush. And God was in that burning bush. And God said that he heard the cries of his people. And he said to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And this is to Moses. And they asked me, Moses says, what if they ask, what is his name? What then shall I tell them? And I think that's actually Moses' prayer. He's saying, I, I don't want to go. I can't do this. What are you talking about? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do about this? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. I am who I am. In Hebrew, it's very close to I will be who I will be, or I am what I am. It made me think of the Rene Descartes back in the 1600s, his quote that you still hear today. I think, therefore, I am. God says, I am. Therefore, I am. God is. Nothing had to happen like a birth or thinking for God to be God. God was not created. He created. God is. I am who I am. Note that this is not a limited or a, a limited to a, a specific name or a specific sphere. Unlike the gods of the time that they were used to, uh, like the Canaanite god Baal was the god of war. And the Egyptian gods, there was one called Ra, who was the god of the sun. I am 
is the name of God throughout time, throughout space, throughout anything that is going on. I remember visiting temples in Asia and there's hundreds of gods within one temple for very specific things. For health, sickness, fields, wealth, clothing, parents, kids, dogs, cats. I saw once a little little altar for the god of a rooster. Um, that's not God. They had so many gods, but not the true God who says, I am who I am. It's important to note, I think, that Jesus, thousands of years later, used this phrase. He was talking and people were, were saying, well, you can't know Abraham because you're not even 50 years old yet. How could you know Abraham? And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Now they would have instantly gotten that term that Jesus was saying he was God. And so they tried to stone him. He got away. But this name, God's name, I am, who I am, is often in talking, <laughs> talked in theology in three different words. And I'm going to spend a few minutes in these. Theologians like to use big words, but these are really important because they stem from the I am, who I am. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because people spend their lifetime looking at just one of these. But we need to understand these to get the foundation of everything else God is going to speak to us. First of all, one aspect of the great I am is he's omnipresent, which means he's present in all places and all times at the same time. In Psalm 139, it is written, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. No matter where you are. That one verse on the far side of the sea really spoke to me when we moved to Asia. And probably for many of you, it spoke to you as you've moved to different locations. Psalm 102 talks more about the time aspect. Long ago you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. So as creator, that was quite a long time ago, they will perish, but you will endure. They will all wear out like a garment. You change them like clothing, and they pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. That's a God of of time. In Revelation, last book of the Bible, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha. It's the first letter of the Greek uh, Greek alphabet. New Testament was written originally in Greek, and it makes the beginning, the creation, the origin, and Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet, referring to the end, to the final part. So he is beginning creation all the way to the end, to the final chapter of our lives. And you know, God doesn't work linear like we do. Because God created time as we measure it. When he created the day and nights in Genesis 1, 3 to 5, he said, Let there be light, and there was light. He saw the light was good, 
and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. What you need to note is God created time. He existed before this first day, how we mark time. He's not bound by time. He is omnipresent, all times, all places, all at the same time. The second aspect of the great I am that theologians and we need to keep in mind is omniscient. Now that means all-knowing, all-wise, having infinite awareness, understanding, and insight. God doesn't have to process anything. In Psalm 139, it starts with these verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You preserve my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Now, a later sermon in the series is going to talk more about God's wisdom. So I'm not going to add too much to this. But know also from the verse in Hebrews, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, his wisdom and understanding is beyond our human comprehension because he has all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding, because he created everything and is present everywhere. And that brings us to the third aspect of the great I am, and that's omnipotent. That's having complete, unlimited power the powerful almighty. When you read that in scripture, that's the almighty, all powerful. Like in, Reve- like, sorry, in Jeremiah 32, seven, Jeremiah writes, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Like unlike the Canaanite and Egyptian gods and the gods you see in many temples around the world, I am, our God, is not created by human hands or with human language. He is in the beginning and he created. That's the power of Almighty God. In Second Chronicles, it's written, The Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Lord God Almighty is used 93 times in the NIV version of the Bible. Look it up. The power of God. And when you bring the Almighty, here's another verse with the Almighty in it that will lead us to um, to where we're heading with uh, two more things. You live in the shelter of the Most High who abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We'll say to the Lord, my shelter, 
refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We live in that shelter of God Almighty, of the Omnipotent. So this great I am who I am, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, everywhere at all times, at all places at once, knows everything is full of wisdom and understanding and is all-powerful. These are great theology words, aren't they? But really, how does that support the foundation of what God, the I Am, reveals about himself? I believe they tell us two really important things about God that are foundational for the rest of this sermon series. You know, remember the series is called What God Says, God Reveals Himself to Us. So the God, because God is of all these things, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and is the only one who is these things, the great I am. First, he is the voice of authority. Now, people say a lot of things, don't they? And in this room itself, there are lots of people that speak words of authority in a specific area. Now, I'm not sure who's there when you're watching this, because this isn't live, and I'm not in the room with you. Unlike God, who's omnipresent, I'm not. So I'm just going to guess. But Brandon is an authority on vision care. Grace is an authority on refugee law support. And Rachel and Ben are authorities on teaching. And John, who's leading us in worship, is an authority on leading worship. How about you? What are you an authority on? We value the opinions and authority of the people in these specific areas, don't we? When we need something, need to learn something or help with something in an area, we know who to go to because of the authority they have in these areas. Now, <laughs> there are also people in our lives that think they are authority on everything, aren't there? Don't point them out. But you must know some. They somehow think they know everything about everything and boldly tell us what they know every time they have a chance. But that is impossible for us as humans. Unlike the people around us that we believe are authorities of one area or another, or even bosses or professors who are, have authority over our work or our school, politicians have authority over our civil lives. God has authority over all of eternity. Remember, creator of everything, who has been forever and is everlasting. As John Stott has put it, the modern world detests authority, but worships relevance. And our Christian conviction is that the Bible has both authority and relevance, and that secret of both is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who said, I am. I am who I am. Authority and relevance. He is the only voice of authority over every part of our lives and over every part of the world. Remember the first commandment? You shall love the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. How could you ultimately make anything else a God of your life? The voice of authority. We can't. So the great I am is the voice of authority. And this verse we read earlier brings us to the second foundation of hearing God speak that we're learning about. Psalm 91 again, it says, You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, 
will say to the Lord, my shelter, refuge, and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So he and he alone is the object of trust. Think of all the messages you see in a day. Um, the reports kind of out this year, 2021, is that we get advertisements alone of 6,000 to 10,000 a day, ads a day go in front of you. Do you trust them? Think of all the news feeds you go through. Think of all the social media feeds you go through. Think back to the ad with the house hippo. Do they have authority to speak? Do you trust what they're telling you or showing you? They are rarely the objects of trust like God is. Psalm 9 and 10, verse 10 says, Those who know your name, I am, put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I am, know the name, the name of authority, the name of trust. Psalm 33 also says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The word of the Lord is right and true. Because the great I am who I am is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, we can trust in his reliability, his work, his ability, his strength, his righteousness, his love, his character, his grace, and so much more. So what keeps you from trusting him? What keeps you from having God being the object of your trust instead of people or things around you? Do you struggle to let go of your earthly connections that are keeping you from God? Do you struggle to let go of your earthly wealth, possessions, title, and trust in God, not those? Are you afraid to not listen to who everyone else is? and agreeing with them because everyone else is. Linda Braunbach, an author, wrote, The only way we can learn to trust God is by getting to know God. When our understanding of Him is deficit, we are going to view Him wrongly. Get to know God. He wants to reveal His nearness, His love, and His power to you. Now this is woven throughout Scripture. And though we've looked at a fair amount of scripture today, we've barely touched the surface of what God wants to reveal to us. Get to know him through reading his word, talking to others, praying and talking with God himself. The great I am is listening to you. And come back in the, during the next few weeks to really learn about what God says when he speaks and what he wants to reveal to you and I. I'm going to wrap up with one more portion of scripture I just want you to listen to. I'm not even going to tell you where it's from. I encourage you to close your eyes so that other people can focus also. Open your ears and your hearts. I want you to listen to this. Listen to the words of authority and trust that the psalmist is writing about. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. 
When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down and the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. O great I am, we do praise you. You spoke and revealed your name to us. I am who I am. I am omnipresent in all time, in all places. I am omniscient. I know and understand all. I am omnipotent, unlimited power. Which means, God, when you continue to speak, you reveal to us, we know you are the voice of authority and the object of trust. May that foundation be evident in our teachings the next few weeks. May we see it and experience you anew, your authority, your, the trust we have in you this week. And it is in Jesus' eternal, all-knowing and powerful name we pray. Amen. And amen.